We found that there was such a glaring hole in the marketplace right now. So we had friends that would post on Kijiji or Facebook to try to find somebody. And it seems so shocking, risky and like archaic to us. We're like, how is there not a solution to this? And so that's why we thought, you know, let's do something about it. Welcome to Startupville, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm your producer, Ariel Delorier. Our host is Dan Gold. And today we're back again for another episode from within the Startupville Thunderdome at the 2022 Uniting the Prairies Conference right here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We're officially more than halfway through the UpConference miniseries. The first two episodes featured exciting chats with some super cool people representing all three of our beautiful prairie provinces. Go check out the first two episodes if you haven't yet to get caught up to speed. Today, we're excited to have another three new guests to the show. Keep listening to hear from Blaine Cordy of Fidju Legal from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Cressida Raffin of Birdie Break from Edmonton, Alberta, and one of the newest ambassadors for Startup TNT, Hassan Nakvi, based out of Regina, Saskatchewan. Welcome to Startupville. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. First up, we've got Blaine Cordy, CEO and co-founder of Fidju Legal from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Fidju is a client experience platform for delivering subscription legal services. So we're approaching the back end of the UP conference here in Saskatoon. We are in the startup, the, the now legendary Startupville Thunderdome. And uh, I have to say, it's been a true delight of a day. With me, um, Blaine, is it Court? Cordy, you got it. You got it. It's Cordy. Cordy like forty. Nice. And everybody says uh, either court or corte. Oh, um, oh so I'm really happy you got it second try. That's very, awesome. Very, very European. Ten um, points. So I always like to get people's names right out of respect. Yep. For them. Um. So, firstly, tell me what Fido is. Sure. And secondly. Uh, what your involvement is. Sure. Um, so, uh, so the company's Fidu. Okay. Uh, there you go. Name. See, um, I should have asked on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am the founder, co-founder and, and CEO. Okay. Um, I started the company a number of years ago, kind of have been in the ecosystem for a while. Um, you know, startups are a journey. We've, we've kind of been on for a while, uh, uh, about, I'll give you a little bit of a history here. Um, uh, we were in the very first co-launch program uh, that that Colabs put on. Uh, that I remember uh, that Solanscale one. Yep. Um, I also been, remember that. Yep. I've been working on this for for quite a while uh, through that. Um, our team looks like uh, myself and my co-founder Kim. She's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so we're a fully remote co-founding team, uh, which is amazing. It's 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 pretty unique. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and the company, um, what Fidu does is we help lawyers 5x their margin by switching from billing by the hour to switching uh, to billing by a flat fee and a subscription uh, model. So we, we take the legal services that they offer, break it down into component parts, uh, build automations around those things. Like if, if a lawyer is explaining uh, uh, part of the law or explaining how process works at a certain stage or all of those little things that they're explaining will help them build an article or a video or FAQs around that. Mm -hmm. If they need to gather data at a certain point in time uh, based on their workflow, 
we give them the ability to build a form around that. And maybe that form turns into a document that gets generated. Maybe that document gets signed. All of these component parts of a, of a workflow um, for lawyers get automated. And, and what, what it really does is lets their professional expertise shine. Because what we don't automate is the important stuff that a lawyer brings to the table. Um, and, um, and so we take all of those component parts, wrap them in a workflow, make that easy for clients to consume with a branded uh, client application. Um, and all of this is in, in an effort to help lawyers ditch the, the billable hour, which is a ton, ton of systemic problems, um, you know, help, help move them to a better business model. So when you look at your model and you've really gone to the extent of going, hey, here's an industry, here's a sector, there's a lot of repeating behaviors in this. There's elements that could be automated and there's systemically we can do learning so that then when it comes to this task with another client, there's the starts of the model to then really exactly. scale exactly. efficiency. Because the core of a, the core of a, 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 of a legal representative is their mind and their expertise yeah. yet we always get into this space with billable hours and professional services where there's a there are just a lot of repetitive tasks and sure things need to be customized thing you know forms and documentation needs to be structured in a certain way but a lot of that fits into a format because that's established precedence yeah and, it, and it's not so there's a couple of things there first of all because we uh, we naturally focus on the deliverable. Mm -hmm. Often we look at things like, you know, that employment contract that we need if we're an early stage company. You kind of dismiss the, the technical side of it and say, I just need a contract. Um, and it's easy to, to skip the parts where the lawyer is making sure that that fits your business and that yeah. industry and that role you're hiring for. And making sure you're not having... Uh, you know, some outsized NDA that doesn't fit the industry or, or maybe have caused legal issues down the road or whatever that looks like, right? There's a lot to that. And understanding that the lawyer's value is there. It's not in, uh, it's not always in that, that end deliverable. Yeah. It's in the process to get to the deliverable. And so what, for us, it's really about what can we pull out of that, that can be repeated into, can be turned into a repetitive action mm -hmm. that, so you're not doing this stuff in a one-to-one -one manner, you're doing it in a one-to-many manner and reaping the um, the benefits of, of doing that. So there's the efficiency and the ability to scale projects, you know, because of yep. having that efficiency. So on the, on the service provider side, on the lawyer side, the legal side, there's, you know, it makes absolute sense. Here's the crux of it. Lawyers are in business. I'm not going to, you know, jump onto the other side and cross-examine you. Horrible reference. Let's move on. <laughs> but from the point of view of billable hours for lawyers works really well because, you know, they, they, they return results for a lot of people. What's the incentive for a lawyer, apart from working more efficiently, if they get to the point of going, well you know, the value in me is my um, knowledge yeah. and I'm not wasting my time on these smaller, smaller tasks, the repetitive tasks. Is there a lawyer out there who would maybe consider 
um, that because there are these efficiencies, that they could become more competitive in the marketplace when it comes to pricing. Yeah, one of uh, you touched on it right there at the end. One of the core benefits that we provide um, is almost the permission to iterate on the business model. Um, and if you look systemically, so legal, there's a trillion dollars of legal services uh, globally, worldwide. Um, yet in that market, only uh, 23% of, of legal issues for consumers ever reach the desk of a lawyer to get solved. And so there's 77% that don't ever get solved. And at the core of that is, you know, one of the biggest factors in that is price uncertainty and uh, and affordability. And um, so on the face of it, a, a lawyer could take the services that they're providing today, average out the price, add some efficiency, and for their existing clientele, make more money, grow their business, scale up. However, there's also the angle of being able to iterate on that. It's to say, what if we offered this for $500, kept our margins the same or similar to what they are today, and opened the net to 10 times the customer base, um, knowing that so many of these customers just simply can't afford it or don't ever, uh, don't ever, do you, don't even want to start the conversation because they're afraid of what that number is going to be. Um, so there's a, a lot of that involved with it, just permission to iterate. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's natural for us in tech, um, but it's a pretty old industry and, and you know, you're right. The, the billable hour works for a very slim set of customers today. The, the, the systemic side of, of the billable hour on, for lawyers means they, they work a ton of hours. There is, there's mental health issues, there's substance abuse issues. Um, it's a problem. There's no work-life balance for lawyers. We, we all think of the lawyer as working 100 hours a week, right? Um, but given the ability to bring more technology into this industry, we can pull back on that a little bit and um, you know, save, a lot of, save a lot of lawyers from going down some of these painful paths. And it must be an important thing if we can keep good lawyers in the marketplace, which then opens opportunities Absolutely. to more people who have the right to use Absolutely. these Absolutely. services, then yeah. it's, it's really a win-win. So you've got this model, you've built it remotely with a founder. Yeah, yeah. Um, aside from, let's face it, the challenges we've had over the last couple of years, in terms of building the relationship, how did you first meet? Yeah. How did you manage the relationship and go from kind of, this is an idea, we want to do it, formalizing it, because, you know, Canadian working with an American, how that all came together. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a fun story. Um, previous iteration of Fadu, I had tried to sell Kim on uh, on working together and, and her using the platform. Um, and we started talking through, through that lens. Um, fast forward a few months, six, eight months, something like that. And we were at a conference that uh, Canadian uh, unicorn Clio puts on every year. This one was virtual that that uh, um, that we're talking at. She was speaking on a panel. Uh, there was like this this chat room after the fact that we were all kind of talking in, and and I kind of realized like she's talking about the path that I want to go down for this business, and she's the subject matter expert of subject matter experts 
Um, she's the number one person I would want to do this with. Um, and so I just sent her a cold email at the conference. I'm like, I don't care what it looks like. Let's just work together. Let's find, figure something out. Um, and so we just started talking from there. And um, about six months later, uh, we announced that she was joining the team. Had uh, had some pretty good press from that, and had our first kind of set of uh, beta customers from that announcement period, and, and starting to work together like that. And then the best part of the story is fast forward a year. That same conference comes around. We entered a pitch competition at that at that conference and won it. Uh, and so it was really a full cycle, uh, full year uh, in the making to to get there. It sounds brilliant. I wonder if there's a element within you that goes, okay, I've got this dry marker board on the side of my office. And on that dry marker board, it's like, okay, here are all the industries that would benefit, the professional service industries that would benefit from looking at this as a model. You know, I'm not going to say, hey, is it accountancy? Is it this? Is it that? But there are a lot of a lot of professional yeah, services that have a lot of repeating absolutely. behaviors. So there is that opportunity. There is that opportunity to do that. Yeah. And, you know, you're on this journey now. You've got that potentially down the road as an opportunity. Yeah, it's it's absolutely something we've talked about. Um, the core idea of taking um, a professional service, whether it's legal, whatever it is, breaking it apart into component parts figuring out where the real value add of that professional is and automating the rest applies to so many industries. Um, you know, of course, there's a product journey to get there. But at its core, uh, Fidu applies to so many of these industries. And that's really the exciting part is, um, you know, we're testing out Fidu, we're building out Fidu in, uh, in the legal industry. That's where both of our experience lies. Um, but it applies to so many different areas and, and I'm excited for that future. Okay. Time is working against us. We're, <laughs> they've established a bar right next to us and I can tell the draw is getting stronger for virtually everyone here. So the disco will get even louder. But Blaine, I'd like to ask people, uh, ask you for how for people could get in touch with you and find out more about the organization. Sure. So our website is fidulegal.com. F-I-D-U-Legal.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Fidu app. Uh, you can email me at Blaine at FiduLegal.com. Um, find me around all of the, the tech events. I'm at all of them. Um, yeah, come chat. I'd, I'd love to chat. Blaine, thank you so much for joining us here on Startup Hill. Thanks for having me. Next up, we have Cressida Raffin, CEO and co-founder of Birdie Break from Edmonton, Alberta. Birdie Break is an app that provides on-demand pay-per-use services, allowing parents to book anywhere from two hours to two months in advance. Book one time or recurring sessions with your provider for sitting, tutoring, or a blend. As the sun starts to fade from the sky and the evening setup starts to fill out the room here at the Besbra, I'm very proud to say that Cresta Raffin is here with us right now in the Startupville uh, Thunderdome. I was going to call it a tech dome for a minute. That's not what we've called it all day. So I just made that up completely. But I'm really intrigued. Um, uh, firstly, welcome 
to the Thunderdome. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> Tell me um, a little bit. Give me your elevator pitch for Birdie Break. Sure. So Birdie Break um, is an on-demand childcare app that connects parents with high-quality pre-screened sitters when they need them conveniently in the palm of their hand. We're basically reimagining the way that parents find childcare. Okay, I'm from the UK. Okay. <laughs> and we have a very different way of finding childcare and support. And we don't go to the closest, you know, mailbox and see a poster stuck to the side of it with rip-off strips and go, oh, we can trust this person. Mm -hmm. That's clearly good. Um, and sure, there's word of mouth. But the idea that there is pre-screening and vetting and standards, mm -hmm. it's all incredibly important. And I think for me as a parent, the reason we haven't looked at any of these options is that we haven't had the assurance that there is that level of, you know, feel good for us in terms of what happens if this, what happens if that. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to live in a, a you know, a, a, you know, what about world, but... When it comes to your children. Absolutely. I don't think there's any compromise. For me, there is no compromising. Absolutely. So yeah. how did you land upon this idea and the need? Because it's really a need. It really is. Um, we found that there was such a glaring hole in the marketplace right now. So we had friends that would post on Kijiji or Facebook to try to find somebody. And it seems so shocking, risky, and like archaic to us. We're like, how is there not a solution to this? And so that's why we thought, you know, let's do something about it. We're going to find a solution. And we always, always knew that having the best babysitters would be absolutely paramount to our business to be able to build that trust because as a parent myself as well um, I would not want anybody in my home watching my little boys that I did not know was very thoroughly screened so um, it's it's something that we also will not compromise on is the quality of our sitters and our screening process so um, yeah it's really important to us to be able to offer that to parents so there's two sides to this there's you you identify that there's a problem three sides to this so it's three sides to this uh -huh. you identify the problem the opportunity the need mm -hmm. the need the scratch that needs to be itched you've then got the application side the tool to make it easier mm -hmm. for the parents to use the resource mm -hmm. but then there's the first part and very much it's the most important bit which is not only the vetting but also backgrounding and training. What goes into that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So um, it's a multi-step process. Um, so uh, we do uh, video interviews with all of the sitters. Um, they all undergo background checks, an, an enhanced criminal background check, uh, a soft check which runs their name through 200,000 public databases, um, ID verification. They have to have a valid CPR um, choking training just in case although yeah. most parents don't but it's still different when someone else is with your child <laughs> and, and just on that right uh -huh. I might be a bit extra on this one uh -huh. but when we found out I was having I was having my wife was having a child <laughs> I, yeah. I had a very small involvement in that but when we were at that stage the first thing I said to my company was and actually it was because then I knew I could do something for work I said hey do we have a do we have um, a first aider on this floor? And they said, well, actually, we're looking for a new one. I volunteered. I did the certification and then the recertification. 
And my driver, my primary driver was, I don't want to be the parent yes. that has the child who's choking or has some other issue and I didn't do anything. Absolutely. Because I, I look, I'm, I'm Good just going to I think that would be irresponsible and that would make me in the way that I feel and it's no criticism of anyone else, but in my mind that would make me a bad parent if there was an opportunity to do so. So that's Agreed. just on, on that. So I, I did do that yes. for that purpose. And, and yeah, the company paid for it because then I was also a first aider right. at work. So, you know, it, <laughs> win -win. Went, it, it was a win-win. <laughs> but please carry on. The, the process of making sure that these people are the right mm. people in terms of, you know, the, the background checks. Mm. But is there also an element of culture fit to make sure they're the right people a hundred percent definitely they have to share um the values that birdie has mm -hmm. um and they have to love being with children and like like they want they have to want to engage with children we um pride ourselves on our birdie sitters not only being there to keep your child safe and alive um, they really are a value add so we want sitters that are going to engage with the children and teach them stuff and some of our sitters will bring like little packages to play with the kids with mm -hmm. and you know like we really also want them to um, add value for the parents so it's important that they leave the house in like a cleaner condition than it was or only if time away from the littles allows of yep. course but you know like we are not just there to make sure that your children are safe and alive like we really want to add that value um and so the, having that personality trait that's where we get, suss that out sort of in the interview um it is really important to us for sure they have to just fit a lot of boxes they have to check off a lot of boxes for sure so let's say um parent hears this and goes hey this is what i want there's the route to it through the website mm -hmm. app etc um, how do you maintain standards? What do you do in feedback from parents? What do you do in terms of ongoing monitoring of your uh, teams that go out there to help families? Yeah, um, I mean, we're very um, active in our customer service mm -hmm. roles. Um, so if ever there's a complaint, which honestly very rarely happens, um, you know, we'll talk to the sitter and see. We're kind of, we're really like, it's a non-negotiable, um, you know, we expect them to be early. We expect them to get along. We've created a sort of a standardized training process as well for our sitters um, in that, you know, a parent knows that when they're getting a birdie sitter, they're going to get a certain level of quality. They're going to have the same consistent experience with the birdie sitter. So, you know, little things from like when you enter the house you know like get down to the level of the child and ask them their name you know after you introduce yourself to the parents so all of these sorts of things sort of create this um cohesive consistent experience for parents um and so yeah managing you know just sort of that and, and making sure that parents always know that, you know, although we are tech enabled, although we are an app, there's real people behind it and we're always there for them and they can call us and email us and we're always like really actively engaged in the customer service if ever there were any issues. So, yeah. So there's three, re three key relationships here. Four. So there's me with my maths again. <laughs> so there's your relationship with, with, your team that goes into the house, the person that goes into the house, and you've got your process and then your expectations and the training that have come to play. There's then the relationship with the parents in terms of that and the relationship with the child. And all that is 
structured and those are from the minimum perspective these need to happen right turning it on its head because situations can happen in the real life and in the real world and and it would be remiss not to look at this but in terms of protection for the people that you put into houses what do you have as a process for looking out for them yeah so currently um the parents, uh, we will be implementing a ID verification for the parents as well. So the same system that we use um, for the sitters. Uh, we actually use Certain, which is another local Canadian company, um, to do all of our background screening. And so we are going to do the one ID for the parents as well. So we're in the process of sort of creating that, adding that into the tech. Um, when it comes to, um, you know, the sitter, the parents have a detailed profile as well that the sitter can see. Um, we encourage parents to send us a photo of themselves and their families mm. so just to sort of build that rapport as well and then if the sitter wants to you know they have the full names they can sort of you know research and see if there's any red flags on their end yeah um, the 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 heavier screening on our part is definitely done primarily with the sitters um, so yeah there's there's just kind of those yeah no yeah. that makes perfect sense absolutely yeah. sense so we look at this from the point of view on Startupville that you've got an interface, you've got a platform mm. to be able to facilitate this. Yeah. Why didn't you just look at the simplicity? We'll just bung a website together uh -huh. and, you know, we'll be done. People can phone up. We've got someone on the phone. Why go to the extent of going down the app route? Yeah, well, we actually did that route, the first one. So we launched in 2017 as a .com initially, mm -hmm. um, and it was in order just to just to validate the market. Um, and so we sort of pieced together a bunch of like website and softwares and like uh, had them all working. And so, you know, we joke about it now that we kind of were like ducks, like on the surface that it was all very seamless. Uh huh. Yeah. But underneath we were really kind of managing everything in the back end. Um, and we always just imagined it to be an app though. Um, I think that the convenience of having it in the palm of your hand, um, there's something about that that I think um, just feels, yeah, more accessible. You can book it when you're out and about. You may not have... You know, I don't know. It just it just felt like the route that we always wanted to go. And so, you know, I'm really glad that we did. And we launched our app in 2020 um, at the height of the pandemic. <laughs> but you know what? The pandemic allowed us to sort of slow down and actually and you get can work that on built. it. I That's suppose. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Instead of working in the business, we got to work on it. So, yeah. yeah. So from what you're saying also you know with the serene duck or the serene swan uh -huh, yeah. just floating along but paddling like hell underneath yes it kind of hints to me that you were using disparate systems for different things at that point and what Indeed. building an app did was give you the opportunity to centralize everything into a central space so you weren't going okay we're copying this to over here doing this task on this Definitely. and it brings efficiency to the organization and then cuts down on potential errors and everything that goes oh with that. Oh my gosh, 100%. And it also increases our scalability. So the fact that the app now manages all of our day-to-day -day business, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm here at this conference and I get 
just constant notifications saying a new booking has been confirmed or a payment has been made. Like I don't have to manage any of that anymore. And which is incredible because then it allows you to really strategize on how can we make this even better? Like how can we have more value and add more value to like our users on both sides of the platform? So yeah, having it as an app and being able to have tech facilitate that, I mean, it's a game changer. And not to mention being able to just scale, like the scalability aspect of it too. There's two form. There's two sorts of founders: those who come into it with a tech background, and there's those who come come to it with a marketing or or, or solution uh, mm-hmm. direction where they want to solve a problem or to sell something or communicate or market it. From your perspective, when you were using, you started in your version one or version iteration, whatever. Yes. Um, it feels to me that you came from it from we want to solve a problem. Yes. What were the steps like in finding a technical partner either to come in house or to collaborate with? What was that process like? And it, how much of it did you take guidance from them or did you lead them? Uh huh. It was very challenging. So, um, the tech, it is hard to find. We've got a lot of incredible tech developers. Um, as a startup, it's definitely a challenge. Like we're bootstrapped. We're currently doing an investment round, but we were bootstrapped yeah. until now. Um, and so, you know, to not have the resources to be able to outsource, you know, a, a fabulous, either bring somebody on full time or to be able to find a firm that could do it. Um, it. We definitely had some ups and downs. We went the Upwork way and we did the top tile and we did we did all of the things. So um, eventually we ended up partnering with Punch Card Systems, who's based out of Edmonton, and they were able to work with us. And it was such an incredible experience because for the first time we felt like, you know, we had this team that was helping us create our vision. Um, But the interesting thing was because we had already done so much market research and market validation, we really understood the user behavior already. And so we actually were able to come to it with like wireframes and this has to happen and then this goes here and this goes here. And so, um, you know, it was it was a really great experience because they were able to provide some incredible feedback, but we also were able to be like, no, we know that this is what works because we've already tested this all out. You've right? already had those iterations. You've already That's molded it. it. You've already tried it. Yeah. And that must be a reassuring place to be because at times when someone sees there's an opportunity over here, I'm not a tech person, I need a tech person, they can, on occasion, We've had some very good experience with the stories that we've spoken about here on Startupville, but there have been stories where the development team or the development contractor has gone, no, 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 you need to do it this way. I know this because I've done, Uh, and there's been a mismatch and then ultimately leads to a professional divorce and having to go to another developer, which then dives into the budget. It slows everything down. You can't get things done and the such like. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's the importance about like, if you could find a team that listens to you as well and trusts that you do know sort of how your business operates, but also like being open to it because like we don't understand, like as an app user myself, yes, I have some concept of like what the UX should be. However, I don't 
know like all of the details, right? So being able to have somebody to really lean on about that is really important. Um, yeah, because changing developers, I mean, we did, like I said, the independent and then it's like they're quoting in different languages and then you're trying to like do this sort of transition thing and oh my gosh, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. quite it's an ordeal. It's that classic line of, I'm sorry, we can't understand that. That was custom. We'll have to transfer it all by hand. That's right. Put it onto a spreadsheet. We'll and it's just like, I, yeah, I've been there. Uh, I have been okay, there. Okay, yes, the pain point, yeah. Cressida, um, for people who want to find out more about the app, yes. uh, let us know where they can go. And also because we believe in creating connections, how could people find out more about you? Um, so, yeah, the Birdie Break, you can download it from both the app stores, both of them, Google Play or the uh, Apple Store, obviously. Um, it's birdiebreak.com, www.birdiebreak.com is our website. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn, so just Cressida Raffin on LinkedIn. There's only the one. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm happy to connect with anybody. And I'm, I love this community, so it's so nice to be able to tap into it. And um, I love meeting founders. I love meeting people who have come before me. I love meeting, you know, investors and all of it. It's just really incredible. It's such a supportive community that I'm honored to be a part of. Yeah. That is for sure. Uh, Cresta, thank you so much for joining us here in the Thunderdome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, here at uh, the UP Conference in Saskatoon. Thank you so much. <laughs> Joining us for our final segment on this episode is Hassan Nakvi from Regina, Saskatchewan. Hassan is an angel investor and ambassador at Startup TNT in Regina. Hassan's interested in investing in local companies to boost the attention and reputation of the Regina and Saskatchewan tech scene. Hassan, you've come here from Regina today? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so here we are at the uh, Startupville Thunderdome inside <laughs> the UP conference. And Regina? Saskatoon. I'm intrigued because at times there is a friendly and sometimes not that friendly rivalry between the two cities. But I do note that the Saskatchewan tech sector as a whole is is very collaborative. And that's something that should absolutely be celebrated. What do you think from your perspective being based in our capital city, what do you think that you've seen in terms of the growth of the sector there and how it really is absolutely equal to what's here in Saskatoon because other people will say well <laughs> I think there's parity but let yeah. me know your thoughts well in terms of you know in terms of equality uh, between the two uh, you know similarities obviously there's a lot there's the you know the, the tenacity for the growth the entrepreneurship spirit you see that uh, I see that as being the same between the two cities uh, yes, there are differences. Yes, there's a competitive nature between Regina and Saskatoon. It's always been there. It's been there uh, during the whole time I was growing up in Regina. Um, but this is what you know. What you see is an environment where the two cities, the, at least in the startup community, they work together. We see ourselves as one. I mean, you see that even with startup TNT, where right now, because of the size and the nature of the of, uh, of the environment here, we we are one collaborative Saskatchewan stream for Startup TNT, and we see both Regina and Saskatoon working together uh, to basically achieve the same ends for all the startups that are involved. So. so just on that, we were speaking to Jade earlier on, and he was giving us a perspective from, um, from the Pan Prairie's perspective. Yeah. Tell me more about specifically um, a Saskatchewan perspective 
and how we're seeing the growth here from the startup TNT viewpoint? Well, I, I got involved with startup TNT fairly recently. Uh, and when I first started, uh, which was only last fall, <laughs> it's uh, I've seen it grow quite rapidly. Mm. So it, you know, it was uh, just me and Regina initially, uh, but now it's you know you're, we're seeing that it's catching momentum. It's growing quite a bit. You're seeing uh, folks from outside the region, so out, out from BC, uh, from Ontario looking towards uh, the prairies and saying that, hey, there's actually good value here uh, with and lots of good innovation. You know, the ideas I'm seeing coming up uh, from both Alberta, Man uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba uh, are just, in, in my mind, the phenomenal quality and really investable companies. So, um, you know, I, I, real, I agree with Jade in that, yeah, there's a uniqueness here and uh, t is taking advantage of that and, uh, and helping me grow. So when you look at your journey, because it intrigues me when people at different stages of their life, different stages of their career, they are attracted to this part of supporting third party businesses, whether it's through mentoring or investment or whatever the shape it may be. What, what is there that you saw when you looked at this opportunity to join Startup TNT and you looked at it and went, I want to be a part of this? Uh, it was a it was a couple factors, not just one. Uh, I think if I had to pick just one word, it'd be excitement. Mm -hmm. Like when I first looked at all the elements that were in startup TNT, it was the excitement of being part of that community that uh, that really got me hooked and wanted me to participate. There was all, and that word in, encapsulates a whole bunch of other things for me. So. You know, my wife and I have uh, local businesses both in Saskatchewan and in Alberta. Um, we want, therefore, to see, you know, it's a little bit self-fulfilling in that sense that to see our businesses grow, we need to see other businesses grow and prosper as well. It, we're not in a vacuum. So uh, helping local communities grow obviously makes sense. Investing in the community makes sense because that's going to help those those businesses. It's going to help our businesses. Um, then there's the continual, continuous learning aspect. Uh, you know, there's, I knew what I was doing with my businesses, but as we looked outwards to other uh, startups, other companies, other founders, uh, we found that oh, there's a lot here to learn. There's so much more. So the learning aspect that was there, the educational series that they held every week during the summits, that was just phenomenal. I mean, the, the, the amount of learning that occurred uh, was uh, probably more almost like a university course level. Mm -hmm. um, the then on the DD calls, you know, meeting folks, connecting, learning through that. So all that put together, and then the excitement of the summit, like who's going to win? You know, you're voting. There's a little, you know, suspense there, a little bit of drama. Yeah, uh, let's so get the drum rolls up. going. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it makes it fun, makes it exciting, makes it uh, an environment where you're learning. And so all of that put together, that's, that's, what, what, that's what really makes me want to be involved in it. Here's the question that I haven't asked many people. I, it's something I asked a very long time ago on one of the earlier, one of the earlier series of Startupville. But with the perspective that you have with your own businesses, and, and this might not fit, but go with me and it might work. Sure. But has there been a moment when you've looked at 
some of the programming available through Startup TNT, when you've looked at some of the founders and the ideas, just the way they think, that has given you the opportunity to refresh your own perspective towards your business and gone, light bulb moment, (laughs) why aren't we trying this? Yes, I see that, uh, you know, I see that actually quite often. Uh, you know, just ways in which we, basic things like in terms of interacting with our um, staff, um, minor little things, you know, like incentives or how to handle certain scenarios to all the way to, you know, we're handling our social media in not the best way or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, like um, So there's a lot of crossovers, you know, as you learn things, you realize, or, or, and you talk to people, you come across problems that are very similar. You, you talk to them about their experiences. They tell you how they solve some of their problems, the things they went through, and then you realize, hey, that's very similar to what I happened to me, like, yeah. or is happening to me right now, or happened to me before. And now you can put that together for uh, you know for a solution that helps you either now or you know down the road. So. And and even if it's not quite the right one, yeah. it's something you can model from, yeah. which is it, is a very good thing. Yeah. So. When it comes to that, the big vote and the drum roll and the and the decisions made and da da da, we've we've got our winner here. There's a there's an adrenaline and excitement, but then, as I understand it, with the ethos of startup TNT, it's very much then the looking forwards, not only the pride in supporting those people, but it's that okay, we have also learnt as an organisation how we've supported them. How are we supporting? How can we even improve the great work that we're doing now and support the next intake? Yeah. So, uh, sorry, can you repeat that last part again? I didn't. Okay. It's it's from the point of view of there's it's brilliant that there's an exciting time. Yeah. That there's da da. We've got our our winners here, but there's also very much as I understand it, the perspective of looking at that next person that next team the next group of people and bringing them on their journey as yeah. well and it's never a done job no it, it, you're right it's, ne- it's never done there's that excitement of hey it's not it doesn't just end with this one summit mm. and it doesn't the relationship doesn't just end at that summit either yeah. so it's not here, here's yeah. your bag goodbye yeah, you're, yeah it's not it's your uh you know they've said many times and um i'm sure you've heard this before it's you know getting Investing in a startup is like is like a marriage. <laughs> you know, you should plan to be involved with this person for for, for years to, to come, uh, and and that's kind of how we treat not just the ones that are <clears throat> invested in or that win the summit, yeah, uh, but also other companies that didn't quite make it because you know there's you have companies that don't quite make the first top twenty or the top ten or the whatever the top five. And, but you still believe in that person yes. and you still believe in their idea and they just, you know, they need to figure some things out. And so the summit may end, but your relationship with them doesn't. You still see them. You still see them at the, whatever functions, this functions like this. And so helping them to get to back into the, not back into the game, but help them to move along so that they, on the next summits, uh, or next event, they are competitive and eventually do uh, make it to the next round. Or, you know, that, that's where you know the relationship doesn't end; it continues forward. So that's, that's always great to see. Right. So you've seen seen success relatively in the short period of time that you've been with with the organization. There's been this path and this this route for people. You've just spoken specifically about sometimes 
the idea is not in the right place. Sometimes the execution is not in the right place, but but often the person is the right person. So there are really honest conversations that need to be had in that explanation process to say, look, this is just where we're at and why this happened. And explaining that why has to be critical. It might not always be the easiest of conversations because when someone's invested so much time in their own project and their belief in it, no one wants to hear your baby's ugly. No one wants to hear that. But if we change their hairstyle a bit, maybe the, this is a terrible, <laughs> terrible analogy. But go with me on this one. It's at the end of the day and the bottle of wine is just yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but in terms of helping people not to lose hope and to lose heart is surely half the battle in getting them to either iterate their idea or just go, okay, are there any other ideas that you're also working on that there could be an opportunity for you to follow? Because really what I see that Startup TNT does, it, it's really about investing in people. It is. It's, uh, it always is about investing in people. Uh, you know, the ideas that we are investing in on paper are actually the ideas that are coming from the people. So you really are just investing in the people. Not every idea that every person has is going to make it, obviously. Mm. And people have to have, like you said, honest conversations. Some of them are not going to be, some of them are, may be tough, uh, but you got to have honest, tough conversations in a very respectful, meaningful way with those individuals and help them realize that, hey, this is maybe not the right for you at this time, maybe this maybe maybe it's better to move on to something else. Uh, not in terms of career, maybe in terms of an idea. Uh, maybe do something uh, that's going to eventually re- result in what you want. But uh, yeah, those conversations have to happen. They they, they do happen every, after every round in our summit. We debrief the companies that didn't make it. So yes, I've had to sit through some conversations where. You have to explain why uh, that, that didn't happen, where the shortcomings uh, come in. And you just have to be honest. You know, what were the, everyone has good points. So you always raise the good points, at least I do. I always raise the good points first. Yeah. And then you talk about the points that were a bit of the shortfall. And then maybe some tips on how to's and how to improve. And here's the opportunities. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and sometimes those conversations, especially when you start to talk, they result in generating ideas. So you, you provided them with uh, some information. They may actually be able to pivot, right? And that's what, I mean, that's what life is all about. Everyone runs into problems. Everyone has to pivot mm-hmm. somehow, some way in order to progress. So as long as you're providing honest feedback so they can use that information to actually make a meaningful pivot, then you're you're doing what needs to be done, right? You're doing what you have to do, so. Well, I'm very excited for the future of this sector within Saskatchewan, across the province, and Canada's footprint on the world's tech sector, which is growing and having a greater impact year on year. Um, Hassan, if we wanted to find out more information about you, how could people get in touch? They can reach me on LinkedIn. That's the best way to reach me. Uh, Hassan Nakfi on LinkedIn. Uh, That's basically all I've got so far. (laughs) Do you know what? Increasingly, every time we have this event, there's social media channels that fall off and everyone gets to the point of going, it's just LinkedIn. And do you know what? That's absolutely fine. Uh, thank you so much for that. If people did want to find out quickly about uh, Startup TNT, where could they get that info? 
Yeah, uh, Startup TNT, we are on the, obviously on the web, just startupt.com as best place to get information on, on that, or they can reach out directly to me on LinkedIn, and I'll, uh, and I'll be happy to chat with anyone about uh, Startup TNT. Thank you so much for joining us here on Startupville. All right, thank you, Dan. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at wetellyourstories.ca. Our show is produced by me, Ariel Delorier, and our host, Dan Gold. We're extending a huge thank you and shout out to our pals over at Collabs for allowing us to take over the 2022 Uniting the Prairies Conference to bring you this exclusive content. Our theme music is from Gigi Riggs and Reactor Productions. Find out more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us rise up the ranks. See you next time on Startupville.